These are 18-year-old kids talking about rights. You know why, Max? We're shitting on them. You know why? Because when in history have older people not understood the perspective of college students? (laughs) That never happens. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Across the Middle Podcast. I am your college-educated host, Max, your other college-educated host, Mark. How are you doing tonight? I'm a bit flustered, I'm going to be honest. I've been looking at my Facebook timeline, I've been looking at some of the stuff on Twitter, and uh, are are white people in danger? Is this gravy train coming to an end? (laughs) It is a a mad, mad world right now. What we're going to talk about today is... There are certain things that you should be concerned about, and then there are certain things that you should not give even a moment's thought. And this whole notion that college kids are somehow demon hellspawn that are about to take over America and your free speech rights are under attack, it's bullshit. It's a moral panic. A moral panic is when someone is trying to instill fear into you on a very specific thing to serve their own agenda. And when you hear these kind of key phrases, it needs to click in your mind, oh, agenda, moral panic, this person is not credible. Hold on, I'm calling shenanigans. (laughs) <laughs> You're telling me that these students in Missouri aren't being huge crybabies because their lives were threatened? Listen, man, I can't defend wholeheartedly their tactics, but you can say what they're trying to achieve is... I wouldn't even... Uh, I was going to say noble, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be noble. You could say they're working to collectively push forward a social agenda that is somewhat positive it's talking about inclusion and equality maybe their methods aren't great but they're a bunch of 18 to 20 something year olds full of jizz and beer and we're like scrutinizing every little word that they say and it's like if they slip up or they don't articulate a point in the most infallible way we jump down their throats it's amazing yeah i think that's the first narrative we need to crush is that the whole do they have a sufficient purpose to take action? Do they have a real reason? Were they in such dire circumstances that they needed to do something as if a shitty status quo isn't enough? Let let me remind you, we put it in the hashtag, but do you know what state Missouri University is in? Missouri? Correct. And you know what Missouri (laughs) is famous for? Uh, St. Louis? Nelly? That's one. The St. Lunatics are another one. But before them, they are like the kings of fucking racism. The Missouri Comp is named after them. They were the state that was like, no, fuck that, we're getting states. Uh, legislation needs to be passed to make sure we get states, even though it's been outlawed below this point on the map. That's Missouri's history. When um the whole thing with Mike Brown went down and they were talking about how Missouri was a slave state, I had to bust out a Google map and see where it was because I'm, a, I'm an American and typical Americans are extremely bad at geography. And when I saw exactly where Missouri was, I was like, oh yeah, that was a motherfucking slave state. Actually, right, here's a historical fact for you, the Mason-Dixon was not the division of the North and the South as in the Civil War. The Missouri Compromise was the real line because that's where you could have slaves. Mason-Dixon was a geographical split. Ah, I see. I did not know that. I mean, so it makes sense that a slave state has, it doesn't really get the attention of your Alabamas and your Arkansas and your Texas. Missouri kind of just coasts along being a piece of shit and it doesn't get that bright light shown on it. But in the last, what, year and a half, it's like, holy shit, what's going on there? Yeah, they try to cling on to, like, the Midwest goodwill of being nice people, but they're really just a shitty southern state. Um, that, that, that alderman or whatever, Antonio French, I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> He's always talking about how extremely fucked up it is. And then he'll retweet some of the other obvious – he's black – uh, some of these other, his white counterparts that are aldermen and whatnot, and insane stuff that they say. And it's pretty funny that these are people in elected positions you, that have these views. Do you know the hatred it takes to take shit, presumably human feces, and spread it on the wall in the shape of a swastika? I, I don't even, like, I'm wiping my ass. I don't like if I touch my own shit. Like, this person put 
shit, like, like crazy amounts of hatred that I cannot even relate to in the state of Missouri on that college campus. But these students are huge pussies, by the way, for for wanting the administration to do something about it, address it. That professor that everyone was jumping on that called for quote-unquote muscle when some citizen, he was a student journalist apparently that was contracted by ESPN, and they were pretending like that was the fall of Western journalism. <laughs> that, that was it right there, that moment. And then I, I tweeted with that hashtag national offend the college student. I tweeted uh, Melissa, I think it was Melissa Click or something, was the end of Western journalism. And I attached a photo of when the journalists were being arrested in Ferguson at like McDonald's for doing what? Reporting. And I was like, no, but no, she was the fall of Western journalism. I would have went with Kanye West punching the guy for trying to take his picture. <laughs> Is that when it all ended, right? That's when the media went just, we've lost all our power. Well, yeah, because we'll defend the celebrities when they're mad at people trying to run up on them and take their pictures, but have a rally and not want some dude recording it, then you're an asshole. <laughs> um, so one of the most interesting things I heard, because I've been listening to a lot of the reruns of when it was the Opie and Anthony show, um, and I've been listening to currently when it's Opie and Jim Norton. Jim Norton said something that was so... A lot of people say things now that are extremely hard to dispute if you have a certain ideology, right? So he said, these kids are just mad that it's not the 1950s anymore and there's no hoses and dogs. And I'm thinking, you've traded hoses and dogs for disparate sentences for cracks 100 to 1. And then you've also done these mass incarcerations since the civil rights era. It's not, it's not as if Things are great now for black people in these areas. And so to, to say, oh, okay, just because you can't say nigger anymore and you can't sick dogs on a... Well, you actually, no, we have seen dogs sick on black people. They're just police dogs now. Um, <laughs> it, it is to say what? Oh, it's over? Like he, When you say that, you're saying what the Supreme Court said when they gutted the voting rights attack, that racism's over. We did it, guys. Racism's over. Well, yeah, I mean, racism ended, obviously. That was that was a bad part of American history. I'm glad that's over. Wait, before before I jump into this and respond to what you just said, who was the guy in the Steelers that um, barked at the dog and now he's... Oh, he wasn't on the Steelers. He was playing the Steelers and he barked at the dog. Oh, yeah. And he's being investigated. Yeah. So that, that's, that's... Speaking of police dogs, they have feelings, too. You can't bark at one of them. You can't antagonize. That's a felony, right? Yeah, third degree. It, it was on the same level as terroristic threats, so that's a terroristic threat towards a dog. Imagine having a felonious conviction on your record for going, what, nana nana poo poo to a police dog? <laughs> yeah, apparently barked at the dog, and the dog was... The dog needed a safe space, Max, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but to, to back to your, your original point, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's crazy to suggest, you know, since things are, I guess, relatively better, that they're still not shitty. And especially to 18 year olds that have only lived in the current shittiness, because they don't just like they don't want to hear like, like, I can't talk to a, a person who's 20 now and tell them like, you know, Nas and Biggie are like great rappers because they don't give a fuck. They, they listen to the new shit. They don't want to hear about the 1960s. They, they're all about the new shit. I mean, it's all about perspective, right? So these kids, their formative years are now being spent watching murder videos week after week after week because we don't think about it because it's getting to a point of saturation where it's lost its meaning but when cnn's looping walter scott getting shot in the back shot in the back shot in the back and they'll say oh warning this is graphic but then they're looping it you're watching no matter how you feel about it ideologically right whether you're i I hate to use these terms because they're pretty dumb pro-police or anti-police that doesn't even make sense but <laughs> I, don't believe I don't believe there's any like actual anti-police people exactly we've talked about that before but wh- wherever you side you're you're still watching a man lose his life but it's it's so it's such a saturation now that it's normal and these are what these kids in their formative years are now coming up with and it's like wait a second this is this is insanity this this quote-unquote pussification of america just because everyone gets a a, a, a participation participation trophy trophy. we have we have drone warfare and and murder videos on a weekly basis i mean drones are kind of the participation trophy of the living in the middle east (laughs) (laughs) 
How dare you? <laughs> I think, Jesus Christ. I, I think we need to. Well, listen, if, if you didn't want, you shouldn't live there. No, <laughs> I, did, I think that's the rhetoric. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Syrian refugees and stuff another podcast. I, I think another point, I had this argument today, like, living in a place like the Northeast, like you, you can't criticize these kids that are living in Missouri because you don't know, you don't live that experience. Like, like the colleges uh, on the Northeast and the East Coast are for the most part uh, supporting the stances. And they're, not, and they're not much better in terms of enrollment in the higher uh, echelons of the school. But in those state schools and, and private schools, definitely, in the South, the enrollment for minority students is extremely low. And you know what's nuts? I, I, I'm of this mindset now where just don't have minority students then if you're not going to have them in an environment where they feel even remotely welcome, just remotely welcome. Because we talked about getting back to the Missouri thing. Yeah. You were asking me what the president had done to the kids, and I, and I couldn't really give you a smoking gun. There was no email where he said nigger. There was no video where he said nigger. There was no email where he's like, fuck these kids, I'm tired of them. It was the lack of communication. It was the lack of wanting to work with them to make an environment. And like you said, this st- keeping things at the status quo is, is just as bad. But this was something actually, and then I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, Dan Lebertard made a good point because he was talking about the case in Missouri. And he was saying, you guys get really mad when I talk about this kind of th- these kind of things. He's like, it's okay when it's Hulk Hogan and you have him, gotcha. But there's other forms of racism, but you don't want to hear it because it's, it speaks to life and it speaks to not like this one moment in time with this one word that's a smoking gun. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think we're, we're leaving out an important part that gets underreported about the Missouri story. So usually the coverage picks up with the kids like blocking the car or whatever. That, that's like the thing that gets beat in the head. Before that, they made a they had a protest on campus and they wrote in a school newspaper and tweeted and apparently emailed that they wanted two things. They wanted, first of all, the school to acknowledge that there has been racism on campus and that it shouldn't be tolerated or that it won't be tolerated and to introduce some type of penalty or some type of consequence if anyone does a hate crime or hate speech on campus. That was ignored. And then they did the move to get the attention of blocking the car. And, and that was a very reasonable request that I think most college campuses have in effect already. And one way or another, that part never gets reported. Yeah, Dave, in terms of the administration being completely out of touch, Dave Zirin was talking about how when Ferguson was going on, that was basically the entire world, the entire country was lit on fire with Ferguson. It was on everyone's mind. It still is for a large part. And they... We're not addressing it at all. Yeah, and they were very close, right? Proximity-wise? Two hours away. This is happening. This global event, and you're not addressing it. And you have minority... <laughs> I love the... Uh, it's 8% of the students are black. 67% of the football team, I think it was. <laughs> Maybe a little bit higher. <laughs> shout out, shout like, out to Brad Smith. <laughs> oh! One of my favorite I forgot, about, I forgot about him. You know what? Yeah. You know... This is a really weird gripe. You know how you have like really weird gripes with things? Yes. This is a really weird gripe that I have. Robert Mays of the formerly uh, the Grantland NFL podcast, Robert Mays and Bill Barnwell. Robert Mays went to Missouri and I don't follow him on Twitter, but I went to his Twitter just to, I, I would think he would say something about it, right? Nothing, nothing. That's weird. I mean, no matter, and I guess say you don't agree with what they're doing. So you don't, because I mean, ESPN, I, I guess you would call it a, a, I wouldn't call it a liberal, but I guess some people would look at it as liberal or whatnot. So if you work for them and you don't agree with what's going on in Missouri and you spoke out about it, you might be pulling like a Kurt Schilling. So then I guess I could see not saying anything, but I just thought it was very interesting that, that he said nothing about it and he went there. Well, he, he's taking the uh, new age, and I, and I could explain this, I could white explain this one for you. Go for it. This is the new aged white person. Uh, don't touch it. Just stay the fuck away. <laughs> like 
this is I, – I, I have a pretty sweet job. I'm the guy who talks about offensive linemen and injury reports or whatever his, like, shtick is over there. And he's not fucking that one up. He, he, he likes where he is. And he's like, you know what? This could go two ways. I could come out in support of those students and then lose a big chunk of my white fan base or come out against the students yeah. and get fired. So it's like – it's lose. He's probably seeing it as lose-lose. I'm not an activist. I'm not here to save anybody. I just want to keep my job. That's nuts that he would lose, uh, maybe not lose, but he would enrage potentially. potentially some of his white fan base. And it's like, these are 18-year-olds talking about rights at the end of the day. If you distill all the bullshit, distill the poop swastika and this teacher and everything. These are 18-year-old kids talking about rights. You know why, Max? We're shitting on them. You know why? Because when in history have older people not understood the perspective of college students? <laughs> that never happens. That was another one that I said. I was like, we think your problems are dumb, but not in the way our parents thought our problems were dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so cyclical. And it's from these people that I listen to on these podcasts, these comedians and stuff that are always trying to say how they're different from their parents and their parents were violent and their parents were neglectful and then you're rolling the shit downhill just as well now that you've gotten there yeah i think this is a good segue because so that generation a lot of the comedians that have made it they kind of wanted to push the envelope on what could be said on offensive jokes foul language vulgarity all that kind of stuff and kind of push that into you know the social consciousness and be more acceptable and not because i think up until like the 70s you could actually get a fine for using like foul language so they pushed a lot of that stuff now the college kids are a little bit more no we don't want that we want to protect people's feelings we we think certain places shouldn't have hate speech or shouldn't have offensive language and now they're like wait wait, wait we just did all that shit now how come you want to undo that without realizing it's just the same sentiment they just disagree with underlying premise yeah like talking about um free speech how i said uh, i've been listening to a lot of the opie and jim show and they had this guy on and they were talking about, um, because someone made the point that I always make, that free speech protects you from the government locking you in a cage or writing you a ticket for something that you said. And it's different than having protection from your employer to get fired. And they were like, oh, well, no, that's not the Constitution meant to be protected more broadly and to extend to that. And I was like, wait a second, we have nine Supreme Court justices that this is all they study and it's been debated for how long, blah, blah, blah. But you guys just like that can make that determination based on what? Your personal feelings and that you want it to be this way? Like, yeah, my, no, my, man, that will, you, Harvard teaches constitutional law and they probably charge, what, $50,000 a credit for that. <laughs> and yet, oh, what you guys from comedic jerk-off university just can interpret the Constitution just like that? Yeah, the response to that should be my favorite employment law-related case with the, um, I believe it was in Chicago. Uh, after a big Bears-Packers game, a guy came into work wearing a Packers tie just to kind of piss everybody off, and he got fired for it. And, <laughs> Does and that really happen? Yes, this is, he took it to court, and the court said, yeah, you're an at-will employee. You get fired for anything. As long as it's not discrimination. So they, as long as they weren't discriminating on him based on one of his protected classes, it's okay to fire him for that. I didn't – are you <laughs> – Yeah. Oh, there, there are so many – Yo, that was, that was gold. That was a fucking nugget right there. Yeah, there are so many employment-related cases that get taught in, like, the formal employment law classes that are situations where somebody gets fired for something. You would think, no, there's no way you could fire somebody for that. And I was like, yeah, of course you could. You're protected only if you're in certain classes, which are usually race, uh, religion, you know, the, the, the majors. You're not, you're not getting protected for something you say or if they just don't like you. They don't like how you look. You could be ugly and get fired. Like, it, it, none of that stuff's protected. See, that's, that's an important point then. People can't distinguish between their ideology and what laws are. So then if you don't like that case or you don't agree with that case, you're disagreeing with it ideologically. But this system that you're in has made the determination. And then you could say, oh, well, fuck the system. But then you know what? You would be side by side with those kids from fucking Missouri. Yeah, yeah, that's the... <laughs> 
And I think another distinction people fail to make is that a college campus, especially the residence halls, are not equivalent to Times Square or any public park. There's a huge difference between a school and a protected space. Just like they could come in and search your locker in your school because even though it's yours and you have a key, they that's not a private space. You're still inside a school. And to protect everybody else, they have more rights than going into your home or going into your glove compartment. It, it's a different ball game when we're talking about a campus or a school setting. Yeah, schools do have a lot of uh, leeway in terms of what they can control. That reminded me of the Yale case that it's so weird. I don't, like, again, the video of the girls shouting at the guy, right? Yeah, so that's can you, all. Can you explain this one to me? I, I don't know this Yale story. I, I missed this one. You know, I, um, hate, I hate the Ivy League. <laughs> so a, an email was written um, saying, hey, guys, I mean, the gist of the email was, can we cool it with Mexican mustaches and blackface and all these other things that you uh, like uh, kids? Uh, on Halloween, I'm assuming. On, ha- not, on okay. Halloween, yeah. On <laughs> Halloween. walking around campus. Okay. No. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously put in very Ivy League speak, but oh, that was okay. the gist of it. So then an email was written. By the head, you have a, a a man and a woman, husband and wife. Wait, hold on, pause. Who wrote the initial email? I think it was I think it was the school or so the, or the, the school. woman or the woman. I, I I'm not exactly sure, but but the, so that that was the email that existed. So then another email was written like kids. The gist of that was kids just you know want to ha- let's have a little room for fun and whatnot on Halloween. So then we get a video and everyone talks about the video and it's a girl, black girl screaming at this white dude. And what they really jumped on was that she said, your job is not to create an intellectual space. It's to create a space, safe space. And they jumped on that word, right? Safe space is such a pejorative term now, but no one mentions that he and his wife work in, they call it, see, they don't call it a residence hall because they're Yale. They call it a, a, a stigmat or something the master hall of stigma. It's a residential, it's a resident hall. So what she's saying is I fucking live here. Can you promote a livable space that is inclusive of everyone so that don't write your eh, shits and giggles, blackface, whatever. Right. And so I'm not even saying whether I disagree or agree with it, but what I'm saying is at least report it and mention that, that it was a resident fucking hall. And so when she says it's not an intellectual space, she's right. Because she's sleeping and fucking there. She's reading books, but that's on her own time. There's, like, there's no actual lectures going on there. Yeah, no, I think I think that's an important distinction because um, going back since before we started this podcast, I was one of those people that made fun of the whole safe space idea. I, I think people that are uncomfortable with an idea or an opinion they don't like and demand that you know some kind of change be made or that opinion don't isn't brought towards me should be ridiculed. But... I would never extend that to somebody's, first of all, to actual discrimination or racism or threats or hate speech. That obviously does not, shouldn't be something where somebody needs a safe space. They need legal protection. And then on top of that, that would never apply inside a residence hall where somebody lives. If, if it's dangerous or you're promoting an unsafe atmosphere, you have to do something to protect the people that literally pay you to live there. Exactly. That's a good point fucking too. Um, Exactly. Like I don't, when I hear that uh, allegedly Harvard is having trouble in some of their classes using the word constitutional. Violate. So whenever the the phrase violate the constitution, which is like in every Supreme court case ever, um, they don't want the word violate the constitution to be used. I don't know what the suggestion is, if there is a suggestion to use instead, but that, phrase shouldn't be used anymore. See, to me, that's ridiculous because I'm a reasonable person and I'm not an extremist on either side. That's ridiculous to me. Yeah, so I agree, if you're gonna with, tell I agree me, with you on that one. If you're going to tell me violate the Constitution is a quote-unquote trigger warning, I'm going to say, well, then your ass is about to get triggered because that's a necessary phrase that we need to use. Tough shit. Max, would you mind not using the word trigger anymore on this podcast? It reminds me of a time where somebody uh, shot a gun, and it offends me. So can we not use the word trigger anymore? It reminds you of all those school shootings that you lived through? <laughs> Don't make me laugh at school shootings, you asshole. <laughs> so then when, when we're talking about colleges, there's this woman that's got on my radar in, in the worst way possible. Her name is Christina Hoff Summers. 
Joe Rogan okay. had her on his podcast yesterday. And this woman is, when you do your actual research on her, she has an agenda. She is the female equivalent of a black Republican on Fox News that you would see that you would, a lot of people would discredit a black Republican. She needs to get that same scrutiny. Her, one of her, she has a blog. Uh, oh no, she, she works, she, she works first of all for a conservative think tank or a think tank that refers to itself as bipartisan, but it definitely leans conservative. One of the last things she wrote was how Carly Fiorina is redefining feminism. Carly Fiorina is against abortion. She wants to shut down Planned Parenthood. She is a failed businesswoman. She's not redefining shit, but how to be an asshole. I I think if you destroy feminism, you, that's a way of redefining it. Oh, because then you could build it back up into your shitty image? No, because it's currently in a form that's something. And if you destroy it and make it nothing, it's in a form that's now. So it was technically changed. So I I don't think that title is misleading. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of, that's a lot of leeway that you just gave it right there. Um, So, so on, on Joe Rogan's podcast and, by the way, zero pushback by him. He referenced a woman that wrote something that if men and women perform the same physical exercises, their physiques would be similar. And that is utterly ridiculous. So then she says this. She goes, anti-science is usually attributed to the right, maybe a little. But it, with the left, it's much more dangerous because these are the people that are school administrators <laughs> And our deans, I was like, what? <laughs> what? So just two examples. So wait, wait, can, can you break that rational de- that her uh, rationale I, I, don't, down? I, I, I don't want to call it rationale because it's not <laughs> rational. What, can you just explain that in like layman's what she's actually saying? So two examples first. Ted Cruz and this dude, Jim Inhofe, they both had – so Ted Cruz heads the United States Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Space, Science, and Competitiveness. Ted Cruz is a global warming denier. He had a thing on The Daily Show where he's going back and forth with a scientist from NASA about things that he knew nothing about, and yet he's taking this position of authority based on zero knowledge. Jim Inhofe is an asshole that brought the snowball into fucking Congress. (laughs) Oh, guess what? He's the chairman of the United States Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. He's called climate change a hoax. These are the people that are driving public policy and allocation of resources, but yet... The teachers are the assholes. That's what she's saying. <laughs> They're the dangerous ones. I love that take. I, 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 You know, I dream of hot takes all the time. That is a hot, scorching hot take. This woman talked about people that teach gender studies as if they were ISIS themselves. Seriously. She, if you would have listened to her, you would have thought that gender studies educators are trying to subvert democracy as we know it, burning bald eagles alive. It was hilarious. And I was thinking, I took a women's studies class in college. Wow, pussy. I know, I know. That was a painful admission. I don't even <laughs> remember any female-driven shit, but I learned, I could recall off the top of my head three super important things. I learned... The concepts behind NIMBY, which is not in my backyard, I learned about the shit that's in our phones that we use slave labor children in the Congo to mine, that cold trans shit that is in all of our phones electronics. It's necessary. And then I learned about how all our old electronics, like all those old Macs from back in the day, they don't just disappear. They're all sitting in Chinese landfills and the land is absolutely toxic right now. I learned all three of those things from gender studies class. A women's studies class. Did you learn who uh, Susan B. Anthony was? I still don't know who she is. And I, I think know she's on my money, though. I, I think that's the reason why gender studies stuff is needed, because we skip over the important shit that women did in history in normal school. It's so amazing, right? We know that women have been integral throughout human history, but it's so sad that I study a lot of this stuff. I'm very interested in socioeconomics, uh, sociology, history, politics, economics. If you ask me influential women off the top of my head, it's so sad. And, I've, and I feel like it's a personal failure that I can name, what, maybe five? Marie Curie, <laughs> yeah. Susan B. Anthony, Harriet Tubman. Margaret Thatcher was a cunt, but she'll, she's a famous woman that I know. Um, and uh, Ann Coulter, I think, probably round that out. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
no, no, that was the thing about the five dollar bill, right? They want to put a woman on the five, or was it the the ten? Yeah, they want to put a woman on. It, it, no, I think it's the ten. It is the ten. Oh, okay, yeah, and like the debate was who should it be because. I, I, when the U.S. Mint sent that tweet out or whatever it was, I thought they were legitimately asking because they're like, we don't know. We just know we want to put a woman on. <laughs> let, let's just let the consensus of America decide for us because I have no idea who would have put on this thing because they probably didn't learn it in school either. <laughs> it, it's terrible. It, it is terrible. And I can't believe this woman, who I will affectionately refer to as a conservative, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe she would be against empowering women. Like, it, it's crazy. She calls herself the factual feminist. <laughs> this is what she does, right? I learned her what her agenda was, and I learned how she operates within what she's trying to do. So she says that she was at a college, and she was telling people, she was saying what she would tell women is, well, don't go into early childhood education, become an electrical engineer. There's more money in that. So that's not something you could really push back on because that's factual. Yes, yeah, an electrical engineer. But hey, how about this? Then we're going to have no early child educators. How about instead, right? If you were an actual feminist, you would make the case, I would think, why a profession dominated by women that's woefully underpaid. And even if you don't think they're woefully underpaid, a lot of the money that they get has to go to their debt, health care, all these things that we're not going to help them with. You would think that then you would make the case that maybe that profession should get a pay increase, should get more cost-effective benefits. But no, you just say, don't do this, do that. That's not – you're not a fucking feminist then. No, you're not that at all. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're ignoring the women that are – actually exist in real life in support of hypothetical ones that you want to exist you're not a feminist (laughs) joe gave very little pushback but sometimes he i feel like accidentally made a point that was counter to her narrative so she would always accept it but with what these qualifiers and as soon people please listen as soon as someone does that over a long enough conversation you know that they have a fucking agenda. If you tell me right now, I'm half black. If you tell me right now, oh, black person stole white woman's purse. I'm not going to say, well, he shouldn't have done that. But the socioeconomics of his condition led him to have scarcity of needs and blah, blah. No, I'm going to say he shouldn't have fucking done that because I don't have some black agenda. I just call things as I see them. I think it depends on the purse. <laughs> here's, here's a counter, though. I um I remember one of my professors, one of my more influential ones, she went to Harvard and learned under um Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren. So she got into the finance side of the world because of Senator Warren. Because Senator Warren, she gave a very similar speech and said more women should be involved in finance. You know, if men are going to destroy, I'm paraphrasing, she didn't say this, but Basically, if it's going to be a male-dominated um, world that dominates the entire world, you know, more women should learn how it works and go in there and make a difference. So, I mean, I think that's important, but I don't think you should ignore the women that already exist. She, like, so why can't it be both? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, saying that more women should get into finance, she didn't then say, yeah, where are we going to get them from? Uh, hey, ladies – stop being educators. We need less educators and more. No, there should be a ton of women in education and a ton of women in finance. You don't have to, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. The same token, I think it's fair to say more men need to get into early education and become teachers. Without a doubt, but they don't because it pays like shit, which is a crime. It's criminal that we do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I, I think it's all a way of subverting them, which, you know, conservatives are really good at. <laughs> so, would be, okay, fine. If I'm going to accept this term, I was very begrudging. I love the term, but I was very begrudging to use it. I, I only have two because I don't follow Fox News close enough. It's her and Ann Coulter. That's the only ones I have so far. Yeah. And the, um, the one running for president. Carly. Yeah, yeah, there we go. We're up to three. Those are three big. Yeah. I guess Palin, Sarah Palin counts. Yes, she's a conservative, yes. <laughs> See, but I feel, I feel, though, that we should reserve the term for a woman that plays the feminism card, but her ideology is completely opposed to that. 
I mean, because, right, we, we could write uh, the actual definition on um, Urban Dictionary. I, I would lean more towards any cons- woman who identifies as conservative that hates women, that does everything to hurt women and the progress of women. Yes, and before anyone gets up in arms about the term, I want to go back to something that probably no one realized. Our reverence for Elizabeth Warren is so much, I don't even think you realize you were referring to her as Senator Warren. Yeah, I love her. Would you ever refer to somebody by their formal title? Like, you, know. you just did that subconsciously because you respect her so much. Do you know the influence she has? She tweeted out yesterday, um, I'm, I'm about to go on the floor and talk about Syrian refugees. And I fucking clicked the link and I watched the C-SPAN. <laughs> That's power right there. Yeah, like, like it, yet, yet, I must repeat, I'm, I'm obviously a sexist because I don't like Hillary. <laughs> Um, anything else on the whole college thing? I think that honestly, uh, this is an ideological point. I love it. And I, and I, and I love that these college kids are waking up from their fucking apathy and that's what we need. And hopefully they vote. Now this is where it's important though. They have to vote. If we have college kids listening, you have to vote. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Not even the general election. We're talking primaries and shit. Yes, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, Bernie Sanders. But you need <laughs> to vote. You need to be – this needs to be a movement here. This needs to be a movement. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the seeds are forming. And then I are white people starting to unravel in response? Did, did you see uh, Harvard today, Harvard Law? No, what happened with Harvard Law? So at Harvard Law, uh, apparently late last night or somehow early this morning, somebody put black tape over the portraits of the black professors in okay. the school library. So all the pictures of the black professors had a stripe of black tape going across their face. And that, that was, we're supposed to think that was done by uh, a white student or a racist, whatnot? Yes. Yes. That, that was the official statement from this whoever is in charge of the black student union or whatever. I mean, if I was going to put on my conspiracy theory hat, I'd say, no, the black student union did it. So then they could blame it on whites to further their agenda. Black lives matter. Ooh, is that a real thing? Black lives matter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's pretty matter. good. That's, at least the whites are getting creative. We, you know what? To be fair too, if I'm going to name top conservatives, top black Republicans that I despise, that sheriff from Wisconsin, something Clark, if you saw him, you know who I'm talking about. That fucking guy that looks like, um, was it Burton and Ernie? Which one does he look like? Uh, Michael Steele? Um, I'm not actually familiar with Michael Steele. You know, I don't follow this stuff. Yeah, Michael Steele. And then that guy on, that fat dude on Fox Business that says the most horrific shit. <laughs> Fuck them dudes. Hard. Yeah, no, that, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess. Your um tinfoil hat theory before. I guess it this would be an opportune time if you wanted to get on the map as some type of activist or something to create some type of thing. But I, I don't think that's the case. These kids go to Harvard Law. You think you're going to risk that graduating as a Harvard Law student to pull some like, publicity stunt? Do you think that whoever did it was smart enough to wear gloves when they were putting the tape? on the portraits i i hope not i hope we catch the person i hope it's like the leftovers palm print situation <laughs> so what happens if it w- uh, was a black student who did it oh I this mean, is a pure speculation like what do you think would happen then we get into the land of fake rape claims it would like unravel a lot of stuff right yeah i, I think i mean i mean obviously the whites would use that as ammo to just take away from like every legitimate claim of any that ever happened. A- Emmett yeah. Till was faked at that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that would be, that would be the reaction on that side. And I think the black side would do more, I guess, damage control and just say, that's not what we represent. Da-da-da, and then a lot of think pieces on that side. When the Rolling Stone UVA rape story oh, was yeah. found out to be false, uh, then the narrative was like, I guess campus rapes, they're all just a bunch of hoaxes. <laughs> all just a bunch of hoaxes. N- to, uh, name me, so people, when people talk about fake rape claims, all they really can bring up is Duke Lacrosse and Virginia UVA. Wait, I'm, 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 are we sure that Duke Lacrosse didn't happen? Yeah, no, that was found out to be fake. Like proven? Proven? Yeah. Or just by a court? No, yeah, it, she was. She made it up. Oh, um, I mean, I guess it's hard to get 
national headlines with a fake rape story, though. I don't think so. That's proven it's uncomfortable. to be false. I, I, it's uncomfortable. I don't. I don't think people like talking about that UVA Rolling Stone. They they the frat brought a lawsuit, and you barely hear about that. Only on like sites like Barstool will you see that. I don't. I think. I think that if one is proven to be false, people would jump on it. But I don't think. I. I we talk. We've talked about this a, a bunch, and in, in, you know, our private conversations about you know the nature of uh, rape on campuses and so many, so much of this stuff you can't prove. So then people can just throw out these things and it can't be disproven. So then it all automatically becomes true. That's like something we do a lot now. Yeah. I, I think I, in the interest of time, I think we, we have recommendations, right? We talked about this and we, we kind of came to ways to help it. Right. And kind of fix what we think are the issues or underlying issues. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to like give some of those? Yeah. I, I think first and foremost, just educating, especially the male students on what rape is and what constitutes rape. And it, it I remember in high school, one of my teachers, um, just in a moment of just openness and candidness, uh, started talking about rape and started talking about how serious it is and was telling us stories. So he's talking to a class of, you know, maybe 17 year old guys saying, you know, if this happens, that's rape. And we were all in shock. We all had no idea because we had never been formally educated on the topic. Stuff that we thought was normal is actually a crime. And, you know, and I think that education helped me when I got to college. And I think it's pretty clear you have to teach people, probably part of freshman orientation, there are lines you can't cross. And if certain stuff that won't be tolerated and there are real consequences. See, we consume different media. I'm telling you right now, if it was federally mandated that that had to be part of freshman orientation to remain uh, an accredited university, the people that I listen to would go nuts and they would do nothing but mock it. I don't think you need federal mandate for that. I think that should be part of a school's code of conduct, just like they will do a code of conduct for just basic academic integrity or drinking on campus. They'll, they'll do stuff about drugs and intoxication. The D.A.R.E. program doesn't get laughed at. I, I don't understand how – did the D.A.R.E. program still around? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Showing our age on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Scruff, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those programs, right? There, there was don't do drugs. Oh, how about don't rape? <laughs> why is that? Why would that be a controversial take to teach people that? Nah, but they mocked that girl that was like, or they mock women. The magic trick? Like, no, the, no, no, no. Yeah, well, they mock her, but they're they also mock women when they're like, can't you just not rape men? Like they always mock that. But wait, I want to go back to that. If you didn't make it federally mandated, then colleges it would just be up to them to do a piecemeal, and then you couldn't get some kind of comprehensive, uniform education behind it. Or program, I would say. Yeah, I, I, then, I would hope so that you're going to have. So then you're going to have certain administrations that leave out certain things and certain based on their own ideologies. And I think that that could, you know, muddy the pot a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't think it would be perfect. And I think even if it was federally mandated, the states that don't like women would still fuck it up somehow. <laughs> We're looking at you, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that would be just. Just like, this is consent. This is the nature of consent. And that's it. And if we're going to try to act, that first week of college doesn't happen where these frats go nuts. I was pledging for a frat, another fucking painful admission. (laughs) The mission statement unspoken is to get girls as drunk as possible and fuck them. If we're going to pretend like that doesn't go on and that doesn't still go on, it's insanity. Come on. And you can't put, you can't. I'm not saying that there's no contributory negligence if you're going to just drink jungle juice, but you can't just put it all on the girls. And I feel like that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And and I think the problem is if you spoke to a lot of those people in those frats, they wouldn't even know that it's wrong. They're going to think, oh, they're coming over here to have a good time. They want to fuck just as much as I want to fuck. And they're going to find out that that's still rape. (laughs) It is. And they I, I was, need to know that they need. They legitimately need to know that. I because I don't think they're bad guys. I I do not. I don't hate people in frats. I, I'll make fun of them forever. But I I don't hate people in frats, and I don't think they want to harm anybody. I just think they're very dangerously miseducated and misguided. I think a large majority. I I would. I think a. I think a substantial portion do have some pretty shitty intentions, though. I, I mean, I, I yeah, maybe some do, but I don't think they would like forcibly do like violent crimes or you know i don't think they actually want to hurt people i I think it's more opportunity and that makes sense i don't know 
I'm no, not trying yeah. to rationalize it, but I it, it's like I, I think they're legitimately kind people for the most part. It's just when it comes to this, their horniness takes over. I think there's nothing better than getting laid when you're 19. I mean, yeah, that's that's the problem. We're also talking about 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds. We're holding them to some standard that we don't even hold politicians to. Or we can't <laughs> hold politicians to. So we're so – so the last thing we'll finish with is what a main thing that we want to talk about. Like the false equivalency between – being annoyed by certain people culturally. So blogs that you don't agree with. Thing pieces. Uh, thing pieces that you don't agree with. Certain words that you quote unquote can't say. And, but then equating it to fucking public policy and allocation of resources with this whole left, right. Like it, when, when Joe Rogan always talks about the extreme left and, and the extreme right as if they're the same. The extreme left... Okay, yes, they are extreme, and I don't agree with them. Extremely annoying. They're extremely annoying, and they would have us all speak in a very controlled manner and blah, blah, blah. But the extreme right will shoot you in the fucking face or hang you from a tree or burn you alive. These are all things that we've seen recently and consistently. Maybe not to burn you alive. That was – I'm sorry. That was extreme of me. Yeah, they stopped doing that like 50 years ago. (laughs) Definitely shoot you in the face without a doubt hardcore and, and i'm supposed to believe that that's equivalent being annoyed or being killed hmm that's why right when uh, you see a conservative person shout down a liberal they do it with impunity because they know that there's no immediate threat to physical violence but that's why when you get like an abby martin i know you don't know who she is but it's okay uh, who speaks who speaks out about chris kyle the dude in lone sniper no. okay. and people are doxing her home and she has to call the cops to protect her because there's a legitimate threat that they might kill her because they all have guns and they love their guns and they don't have any respect for life and they're willing to use them. It, it's not equivalent. It's just not. Not, not even close. You, you, when you piss off a conservative group, you just – I mean when you, when you piss off a liberal – you're just going to get a bunch of blogs. It's going to be <laughs> annoying. Maybe a movement starts and they try to convince your employer to fire you, but you're, you're not in danger. I don't know. Can you think of any stories where, like, since, like, Bleeding Kansas in, like, the 1850s, since where, like, a liberal group went after a conservative with violence? I mean, the only violent or the only liberal group that used uh, destruction and violence and I mean, they never even took a life. I, I don't believe. I could be wrong about that. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. Was the Weather Underground, and they yeah, set off really they, they set off bombs to try to show what the war that we engage in looks like here. But they did it late at night, and they did it in areas that didn't have any people. So they were just setting off bombs. That's the only liberal group. And I mean, I guess if you want to call the Black Panthers a liberal group. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going there and I was going to counter quickly that day. <laughs> you know, I love the Black Panthers. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, such a false equivalent to me to me. And it, and, it, and it makes me angry that we just, just say far left, far right all the time. So it lost its meaning and we just accept it as all How those are equal. How do you think these people would react to the Black Panthers today? Because the Black Panthers never got violent, but they were militant and they armed themselves. Yeah. And they, any place that open carry, they were openly carrying. And they were saying, I know my rights. I this is legally owned. They would state the statutes whenever somebody challenged them. If that happened today, it would be very interesting. I mean, I'll give you two cases, though. I'll give you John Crawford at the Walmart. Two dudes on spot now, right? So yeah. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have the chance to say... <laughs> According to the statute, blah blah blah. I own this gun. I have the right to carry. He's he's shot by the time he gets out. According and also cool, hilariously, country, bro. <laughs> and, al- and also hilariously, coincidentally, there was this black grandfather that had a, a open carry. No, he had a concealed carry, and he had it on his hip. And uh, some lady called the cops, and then a bunch of dudes tackled him because he was a black man with a gun, and then. They got hit with charges because, like, oh, you just tackled a legal gun owner. You, you can't just do that. So, yeah, I, I, I think that black people – well, that's, that's something – I'll say it this way. You never see the NRA advocate flooding the inner cities with guns. You never see the NRA advocate – you know that band of Alabama that's actually um, heavily yeah. black in the middle? You never yeah. hear the, uh, the NRA saying, let's give all the, that, that group of Alabamans guns. 
well, never hear them say start that. the movement. Let's arm the blue belt. <laughs> That's what it's called? Yeah, yeah, because they have that one. I think, is she a senator? The oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right. she's there, and then, yeah, it's just like she gets the votes right across because that's where um, apparently you could have slaves, like, above and below, and, like, I guess all the black people just stayed right there. They didn't share this day. I'm assuming they have, and I just didn't think they had enough influence. I think out of all their votes, that's just, they get one senator out of, like, what, three or, maybe she's a congresswoman. I don't, I don't know. I don't know facts, man. <laughs> facts are stupid, bro. Yeah, uh, unless you're a factual feminist. Oh, Christina Hoff Summers, look her up. She's the worst. Did she come on our podcast? I mean, we called her conservative, so I don't think so. But if she's redefining feminism, then she should own that. Well, that, that's that's why I changed, everything else. <laughs> that's why I changed my mind about calling her it. That, that um that was a great label by you, by the way, because. Uh, since she doesn't think that there's any problem now with male-female dynamics, I think that she would embrace that term wholeheartedly. Yeah, maybe she could make it like the N-word and embrace it and <laughs> use it internally. Uh, anything else? <laughs> I, I think we properly discussed this. This is this is what we're made for, Max. This This is why we exist. I am very happy that we finally got to do this. It's been burning my brain alive. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Okay. We broke a thousand on the cop kills for the year. Yay! NYPD. NYPD. <laughs> no, we, um, we're at a thousand and thirteen, and we have, I think, 40 days left, 41 days to reach our 1,118 over under. This is going to be close. We're going to sweat this one out. You took the under, I took the over. This is. It's getting down to the wire. Yeah, November's been bloody. And if you win, you're going to be happy because I know you love to be right. But also, that means that cops have killed almost 1,200 people in a calendar year. Hey, man. <laughs> exactly, you conflicted bastard. <laughs> I, I I got nothing. And you know what, no, you know what the, the depressing part of that is? Nobody's going to give a fuck, man. Nobody. Nothing's going to change. We could kill 3,000 in a year. Nobody's going to care. And on that note. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go to sleep crying. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs>